Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 207. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we've been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, filling in for my normal co-host, John White, at TheJourneyman. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Public service announcement, if you are going to record a podcast, check and make sure you pick the right microphone source. Yes, that happened. So I got to practice. In the last few weeks, we've talked about some foundational components in the resume writing process in episode 203. Foundational components in the job search process, 204, episode 204. And then we talked about, the last couple weeks, interview processes, the types of interviews, what you might expect, how you might prepare for those in episodes 205 and 206. The goal of this episode is to share my experience going through a couple of different interview processes over the last year with you. I want to share the processes I went through, the steps in those processes, what I did to prepare for those experiences, what I learned as a result, and you can compare that to some of the things we said before. But I thought maybe a, a personal experience might also help follow those last few episodes. So what was the current state before any of this happened? First, I wasn't really looking around for a new job. Second, I hadn't updated my resume since 2017. As far as LinkedIn goes, I had kept that pretty well up to date. I try and post there at least once a week, and I think most of you know oftentimes it's about the podcast or something career-related. So here we go. Process number one. This interview process was with an external company. So how did it start? It all began when I got a LinkedIn message from a recruiter at this particular company. The recruiter sent me a very kind message saying that based on my profile, what it looked like I was qualified to do, she thought that I would be fit for a specific job. It was a sales engineering job at another company. I didn't necessarily want to do that. It didn't seem super interesting to me. So I didn't really have an interest in applying for that. I did ask the recruiter, however, what they liked about working for this specific company. And I thought they had a really interesting answer, and it was very kind of this recruiter to share that with me. A little bit of time goes by, and this recruiter sent me another job description. But this one was for something different, something that maybe I didn't have my eye on in any way, shape, or form. It was for a role that was much more community-facing. It would be something with a technical specialty around it. It would involve doing some very different things than, than what I do today. I don't think that had I just seen that one that I would have applied for it or thought I was qualified. So she sends me this posting. I thought it sounded pretty interesting and pretty exciting. And asked, she asked if I would be interested in speaking to one of her colleagues in more detail to learn about it. And I said, okay, I'll take some time to learn about this. So she passes me along to one of her colleagues, another recruiter, and I hop on a quick call, what we might call a recruiter screen. 
So I talked to the recruiter, very nice lady, tells me a little bit about the company, what she knows about where it's going, where it's been, lets me ask questions, shares with me what the job is based on the description, other things she knows about it that may not be stated there. She shared with me some of the benefits of working for the company. That's all part of the total compensation package. And at one point during the conversation, I said, what is it that makes you think I'm qualified for this? Because if I had just seen this posting, I don't know that I would have said, oh, I should apply for that. I'd be perfect for that. She actually told me it was the podcast and that I wouldn't be afraid to go and talk to people in a community-facing role. And I and I sat back and I thought, okay, I guess that makes sense. One of those times where someone else sees your relatable experience and you don't. During this conversation, she asked me, were we to go through this process and to work out, what would it take to get me there? So I gave her a range, and she told me that that, w that range was realistic. So if I wanted to apply, I wouldn't get to the end and have a severe mismatch in what I was looking for from a compensation perspective. But I also did tell her that I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to apply yet. Now, why would I give someone a compensation range if I wasn't sure if I wanted to apply? Great question. I guess I was just thinking about if I did, I would short-circuit the process. Very nice lady. She said, hey, I get it. You don't know if you want to apply, but the hiring manager already wants to talk to you. Why don't you spend 30 minutes talking to the hiring manager, and then you can decide if you want to apply. And I say, okay, I'll do that. So she sets up a call with the hiring manager. That's the next step in the process. We're three steps in. I have a quick call with the hiring manager, 30 minutes, and it actually turned out that there were two open positions that this hiring manager had. One was more of a community manager type role, kind of like what Nick Tolsashev described in some of his discussions with us in previous episodes. We'll link those in the show notes. And the second was this more community-facing, almost like an evangelist type role. It was... It was very technical, a chance for me to get extremely deep in a new area or an area where I'm not extremely deep today, let's just say, and learn a lot of new things. He asked about my technical skills, my experience, what I was interested in doing. And after about seven to ten minutes, he said, well, listen, between these two open positions, I actually think you should talk to this person who's been working for me to determine determine which one you're right for. And then he opened up the floor for questions. Now, if you had 20 to 23 minutes of time with someone, my question to you is, how many questions would you have ready? Hopefully some. For me, I took the entire rest of the time asking this person questions. I was asking questions about what success looked like in either one of these jobs, what the measurements were, that they would be looking for to demonstrate you were doing a good job. What success looked like after six months or 12 months and, and what they would really want someone in those jobs to be doing. And I asked questions about the hiring manager and his organization and the company as a whole. I had many questions. All good things. All good things. So I thanked him for his time. It was a good conversation. And... Since he recommended talking to a member of the team, someone who had been working for him, I thought, okay, I'll do that. Keep in mind, I've not decided to apply at this point. I haven't applied for anything. The recruiter 
sends me an email, says, the hiring manager said you're supposed to talk to so-and-so. I'm going to set up a call with this person and, and we get it scheduled. Okay, great. Well, this person was already doing the job that was more like the evangelist type role, the the community facing type role. And so I got to ask a lot of questions about what he does, what he liked about it, what drew him to it, what made him want to do it, what he likes about the company, how he thinks about his career. It was great to meet him. I really enjoyed the conversation. And so after that conversation was over, I didn't really know what would happen next. I still hadn't applied. But then a little bit of time passes, and I happened to be at a community event. I was giving a presentation, and it just so happens the hiring manager was at that same community event. So the recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, listen, the hiring manager's at this event just like you. He wants to meet up with you. Okay, interesting. Sure, I'll talk to him. So we set up a time, and I talked to him for about an hour. It was a really good discussion. I got to meet him in person, whereas I everything before had just been phone calls. And he asked me some questions about how I would explain certain things and had several questions for me, but I also had several questions for him. And what is a one-on-one like? And how do you manage your organization? And how is the business unit we're talking about inside the company looked at by other business units? And what do you think the future of the company is? And Tell me a little bit about your career. All kinds of questions like that. By the end of that hour, he basically said something like he wanted to try and work something out for me to come and work for him. And I said, oh, wow, I I wasn't quite sure what to say. I didn't quite know that that was going to be the outcome of the conversation. And And I said, I was upfront and honest, and I said, listen, First thing you need to know is I'm not sure that I'm ready to walk away from my current employer, VMware. I don't know that I necessarily want to leave. I'm still trying to figure that out. But after that first conversation with the hiring manager, I realized that lots of my questions had to do with finding out if the person on the other end of the phone was a great leader. Maybe I didn't consciously think about this or write it down as something that I need in a new role if I'm going to take one, but I did learn after that first call that one of the things I need is to work for a great leader. If I have any kind of choice about it, I only want to work for a great leader. And so I told this gentleman that was a need I had and that I was still trying to figure out if he was that next great leader that I wanted to work for. And I I hope he understood that it wasn't said to be offensive or anything like that. But he did something really interesting, and I commend him for doing this. Another thing that I didn't expect. He calls a lady who works for him that's also at this event and says, Hey, Nick's going to come talk to you about what you do and and working for me. And like right there, he called her. I was sitting right right next to him. He said, Listen, I want you to go talk to so-and-so. She's on my team. Ask her whatever questions you'd like about me, about working here, and, and she'll help you out. And so I thanked him for his time, and I, I went and met with, with this person. I was only able to talk to her for about five minutes at the event, but we did follow up and, and have a good conversation on a call about a week later. And she was able to share with me what she did, how a person that does what she does might work with someone like me if I were to if I were to get the job doing what they wanted me to do, or if I were to take the job, I guess. 
I asked her about the hiring manager and she had worked for him before and she said that several of the team members actually had worked for him before. They really liked him. They liked his style. Said he was great at making sure to speak up for and advocate for the team up the chain. And I, I really liked that. I liked hearing it. So after those two conversations, I had another chat with the recruiter. The recruiter wanted to know how it went and I shared that information with her. And she told me that the company and that hiring team would would love to make me an offer. They were very interested in having me come on board. And so at this point, I'm kind of blown away. I, I haven't applied yet. I mean, I never applied, but they want to hire me. I guess this is one of those cases of letting the job come to you. I don't, I don't know. But I, I felt extremely humbled by this opportunity. But I, I had to figure out if it was something that I still wanted really wanted to do. So I told the recruiter, I said, listen, I'm still not sure if I want to leave VMware and walk away to a new company after nearly five years. I need a little bit of time to decide. I said, I don't want you to make me an offer unless I would strongly consider taking it. So I'm going to say, don't do anything. Give me just a little bit of time to think about it. So she gives me some time to think about it. So I think... The brain spins, let the mind wander on it a bit, try to compare pros and cons, try to think about what the requirements of this new role would be, what's different about it that you like, what's different about it that you don't like, but what's the overall impact to the family? Also, how will this how will this affect the family dynamic? That's an important one. I have a wife, have a daughter, need to take all those things into consideration. And I think also asking your family for perspective on pros and cons of a new job is a good one because my wife pointed out something that maybe I wasn't thinking about enough is that my daughter had just started middle school and it was very new to her she was still trying to get all the structure down and that she would need some help from me during that process so if if the role was going to be pretty travel heavy that could be a deterrent to me really helping her and providing the support that she might need. So that was one thing to consider. I ultimately told the recruiter that I did not want them to make me an offer at this time. I decided that I wasn't ready to walk away from VMware. I didn't think it was the right time for me. It's a great opportunity, but I think back to the Yvette Edwards episodes, it was not the right time. I thanked everyone in the hiring process who had spoken with me, spent time with me, and certainly left the door open. Maybe something will work out where I can work with these people in some sort of capacity in the future because they were incredible people. Who knows? I don't know. But I did make some connections, and I I hope that the people on the other end found those valuable meeting me because I definitely found it valuable to meet them. What did I learn? I learned that I needed a great leader, and I think that that hiring manager was a great leader. That's the determination that I came to. But it took me a little bit of time to figure that out. And a lot of it was asking questions, talking to other people on the team who had worked with him and for him, all those things, all the holistic context. I was honest and upfront about where I was in the process with the hiring team. I think that's an important one. I'm not in it to play games. And I also, I'll reiterate that you you certainly... Don't always know what you may be qualified to do. In this case, I was not able to see my own applicable, relatable experience. The recruiters actually saw that, and I guess the hiring manager did too. So that 
that was something I guess was a blind spot for me. Process number two. Process number two was a job inside VMware, an internal job doing something different than what I do today. Today I'm a solution engineer, and we've talked about what that is on numerous shows before, but this was different. Also, in the first process, if you recall, someone reached out to me. In the second process, I happened to see something interesting and decided to take action. Keep in mind, after that first process, I never had to update my resume. Not once did I submit a resume to anyone, and I don't think I would have had to send my resume in even if they had made me an offer. I had LinkedIn updated. I had proof of work out there, podcasts, blogs, different things like that. So in this second process, someone inside VMware posted the job description on one of our internal chat channels. I knew who this person was. We had crossed paths in a special program, CTO ambassador program. And so I didn't have a problem reaching out to that person and asking some questions. The person who posted the job knew about the role because she did that. She was part of the, the greater organization and team who, who did the job. I asked some questions, asked what it was really about. She gave me some examples, told her it sounded extremely exciting, and that I was thinking about applying. I still wanted to learn a little bit more about the role, so I had a phone call with a different member of the team, also that I had known through the CTO Ambassador Program. And so this gentleman met with me after work hours one day and told me about how he got into that role. He told me about what it was and what it wasn't, what he liked about it, and that it took him a little time to get on the team, but that he has really enjoyed it, the ability to work on different things. I guess I didn't really say what the job was. The job it was more of a specialist overlay, if you will. So I'm a technical generalist across the VMware portfolio today as a solution engineer. This was more of a specialist type solution engineer in a way, but you would also be working really closely with teams building early stage products and trying to make those better and providing education inside the company on here's where we are on this, here's what it does, the problems it solved. It was extremely, extremely interesting to me. Again, just like the first role at the external company, it was something that required more of a technical focus or specialization in a specific area than what I do today. That's a pattern across these two jobs. So after that phone call with a team member, or actually during the phone call with this team member, I brought up the fact that the job level in the, in the job posting was one level higher than I am today. And I asked him about that, and he said he wasn't sure. He said I might have to ask the hiring manager or, or someone about whether I could actually apply because of that listing and the difference. And so I thought about it a little bit more. It hadn't been extremely long since the posting had been up, but I wanted to make sure my name was in the hat. Well, <laughs> before you can apply for a job, as we talked about in our previous episodes, you need to have your resume up to date. Mine was not. It was five years old. Here's the good news. The good news is that I was documenting my work. I try to update my OneNote weekly with some sort of accomplishment that I've done, even if it's small, so that I have all the details needed to write or rewrite something like a resume. So I didn't have to start from ground zero. You know, if I was someone who 
hadn't updated my resume in five years, but also hadn't been keeping track of any kind of accomplishments, then it might have been way harder. But I still had to spend time doing it. It wasn't like I could just upload and click. That is something I would encourage you to almost never do because you want to make sure that your resume is tweaked for the job listing and requirements in the job listing. Okay, so I update the resume, I update my skills section, update my job experience that in a way that I think fits the job description. I had a good friend of mine inside VMware sniff test it and look at it for me. He gave me some good feedback. You know who you are. So I go ahead and I submit the resume just to get my name in the hat. Well, I thought because of the title discrepancy that I could that I should go ahead and reach out to the recruiter and say something about it. So I reach out to the recruiter. Hey, I submitted my resume for this. I, I wasn't sure about this title discrepancy. Can I just talk to you and ask you some questions? So he was kind enough to get on the on the phone with me for about half an hour. He had already looked at my resume and he gave me some great feedback. He actually said that he really liked the format. He liked the skills section. And he told me that this was a pretty specialized role. They were looking for deep technical expertise. So if there was anything else that I might want to add that demonstrates that, I should go ahead and do it before he passes it along to the hiring team. So I went ahead and tweaked a couple more things in light of that comment. And I was grateful to him for giving me that feedback. That's very kind. He also gave me some understanding of what a compensation range might be for something like this. He gave me an idea of what the hiring process might be. It was typically a couple of meetings with team members, a stakeholder panel, and then probably an interview with the hiring manager, and there might be one more. Okay, no problem. So after resubmitting the resume, the recruiter passes it all along to the hiring team. It's out of my hands at this point. A little time goes by. And I got an email from that recruiter and he said, we want you to come in. We want you to have two different interviews with people on the team. These are remote interviews. They're not in person. These people work in different places across the U.S. And he told me a little bit about what to expect in each interview. One of them was more about how I demonstrated company values and demonstrated technical expertise. And the other one was more about technical fit and team fit. So kind of ran the gambit of different things that these team members were looking for. And the recruiter said that I could ask him questions if I had any about what to expect in these interviews. So I did ask a couple of clarifying questions to make sure I was prepared. Well, how do you prepare for these interviews? Well, you take the expectation and you make sure that the stories that you want to share fit that mold. So I made some notes. I made sure that I had a copy of the job listing that I had reviewed. I made sure to review my resume. And I made sure to have my notes there and be familiar with them so that I can share those stories that are most important, most impactful, and the ones that will best answer the questions people have. So interview number one. This was a team member screening. And these usually start out of the gate with a person asking you some questions about yourself. And for me... You know, I was asked what I do today, why I was interested in the role, and and we had a really good conversation. And this lady had come through one of our acquisitions, and I was really curious about her career path, too, during the discussion, so we got to talk about that. And we talked about things that I had been doing with my customers, technologies that we had been talking about the most, technologies my customers had been looking at to solve their biggest challenges, for example. 
And that gave her an idea of the, the types of things that I was a little bit more familiar with from the product portfolio standpoint. It was a good conversation, appreciated the time, and she also let me know that if I had follow-up questions about the team or anything, I could ask those of her. One of the things that I would encourage anyone to keep in mind here is that if you do a team member screening and they say you can ask questions after the fact, don't abuse that. Certainly, if you have questions after the fact, you think of something, ask it, but it's probably not appropriate to ask them where you are in the hiring process. Save that for the recruiter. But if you have a question about the team, about the company, something like that that you forgot to ask them, I don't see anything wrong with contacting them after the fact and asking those questions. Just don't abuse it. I also remember being asked about, asked questions about during this first one, about how I would convince people to do something I wanted without having role power over them. So working with product teams and, and trying to say that we needed to do a specific thing or this capability was needed or needed to be improved. It kind of goes back to the David Bappett episodes of influence without role power and his role with the engineering team. It would be a similar story with some of the responsibilities of, of this job. Good questions. So then I go to the second interview. It was within a week or a few days of the first one. Second interview got scheduled, I had the expectations, I had my notes, the job listing, the resume, reviewed them all, made some different notes for the second interview because it was asking for different things. So <laughs> had a really fun time with the with the second interview. The first time the second interview happened, the person didn't show up. And that one kind of threw me for a loop that had never happened before. It was seven to ten minutes in and I'm thinking, okay, maybe... This person doesn't see the invite, it's not on their calendar, or maybe something really bad happened and they had to handle an emergency. So I reach out via instant message. I don't know this person before reaching out, but I, I go for it. Hey, I hope you're okay. Is this still a good time? Do we need to reschedule? Eventually, the the entire meeting time is gone. I reached out to the recruiter and let them know, hey, this person didn't show up. I guess we probably need to reschedule, or what do I do? And the person messaged me back and said, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to miss this meeting. Apologies. So we reschedule. And I I talked to this gentleman. It was a good conversation. Just like the first one, a very good conversation. He had questions for me. But I really like what he did in the interview that I don't think I was ready for. It was something I had not seen. So after a few minutes of asking me questions, he says, is there anything you'd like to share with me? Oh, wow. All right. What does that do to you psychologically? Number one, he put the onus on me. He's telling me that he's ready to listen to anything that I want to share, which means I have to be able to prioritize the thing, the things that I think he wants to know about, put them in order, articulate them well so that it demonstrates that I could do this job. And of course I had notes. Of course I had tried to make sure I had the stories down, but that was, it was tough to answer that when you're not expecting it. Great question. I mean, love that strategy. I, I'll never forget that. He was very kind. He had more questions after that. He let me ask questions of him. We even went over the time, you know, 45 minutes or so, and he let me ask all kinds of really good questions, and I appreciated that. So after both interviews were over, some time passes, and I think the next step was more of a panel interview. The recruiter got back to me. He had a chance to talk to the hiring team, and unfortunately, they decided to go with a different candidate this time. 
He did send me some feedback from the people that I had interviewed with, which I was grateful for. They had some good feedback for me. And he also said that the team liked me and they would encourage me to apply if there was a future opening on this team, which, okay, yeah, I didn't win, right? This was a process that I initiated. So, of course, I'm going to be a little bit bummed that it didn't work out. But, you know, I have a job that I really like. It just might be that this one seemed a little more interesting at the time. Or is it a chance to do something different? And I didn't get it. But if we have the process over outcomes mindset here, I felt like I did decently through the process. Maybe like a B plus, I don't know. Definitely wasn't ready for that one question in the second interview. You always wish you could do better. But didn't happen. But I got feedback. I got feedback from the recruiter. I got feedback from the two people who had interviewed me. Maybe not directly. Oh, I'll also say that in that second interview, I was asked what my technical specialty is. For me, I'm a technical generalist. I was a systems administrator before that, also a generalist. And I find it very hard to answer that question. It seems like every time I think about it, I rack my brain. What it, What is my specialty? I think in a lot of ways, it's being a generalist or being a systems administrator, kind of like Stephanie Wong mentioned in, in the episodes we did with her. So I don't know that I answered that one great in the second interview. I did I did send that person an email after thinking about it a bit more and looking at the type of content I had put on my blog. I was able to, to suggest what my specialty was. But still, it's a, it's a hard one. If we talk about lessons learned in this process, I talked about the feedback. So didn't win, but encouraged to apply for openings in the future. That's a great sign. I also made some really good connections. I have people that I can reach out to inside the company if I have questions about the areas that they cover in their day-to-day job. And hopefully they, if they had a question about something, they could reach out to me. So the interview process can be a way to build your personal network. I think the pivot from generalist to specialist is pretty tough. I've never actually made that pivot. I mean, I guess you could say going from a systems administrator who had to handle all the technologies and moving to VMware in a way was would be seen by many as a specialist role. But what I was talking about doing in in this case would be even further specialization within the VMware product set. If you are applying for something that is a deeper specialization than than what your focus is today, I would encourage you to really think about it. Really think about the things that show evidence of that specialty, whether it's interest, proof of work, projects you've worked on. There's there's a way to demonstrate that. And there are probably a couple of areas that you naturally spend more time in, even if you're not conscious of it. And again, I don't think I'd taken that time to do enough analysis. Of course, don't wait to update your resume. We said this before probably multiple times. I'm the mechanic who doesn't have a car that runs. So I I totally own that. I had to fix the problem of updating my resume. Lucky for me, it wasn't like climbing Mount Everest to do it. It did take some time, but I did not have it formally updated. I also think that if you see something that is really interesting to you in a job listing, something that gets you extremely excited, the right time to apply is right now because even a conversation to learn more doesn't mean you've signed on to to do the other job. If it's exciting enough, it'll be a priority for you. What are some things that helped me 
as I went through these two processes. I would say the first process I mentioned was kind of towards the end or ending as the second process I mentioned began. So they almost they had a slight overlap, but not a huge amount. One of the things I did was I continued my morning pages that I mentioned in other episodes. I guess it kind of became an evening pages sort of thing where I would do some writing in the evening. I listened to a lot of episodes of Real Job Talk with Kat Troyer and Liz Bronson. Shout out to them for making great content. And I listened to a lot of podcast episodes that we had recorded. Had a lot of conversations with John White about this. So thanks, John, for giving me so much advice. I talked to other community members. I think I mentioned that in the first process. I reached out to people who had worked at that company before and picked their brains. I spoke to mentors inside VMware and beyond. Dale McKay, many thanks for letting me share this with you. Dale's been my mentor for a while now. And one of the things he said, I think, really needs to be shared on the show. I was telling him about these two jobs. He said, listen, man, both of those sound pretty exciting, but here's what I want you to remember. Let's just say you don't get either one. What then? You need to pay really close attention to your emotions, how you're feeling about the work that you're doing now, uh, if that happens, so that you don't become bitter and cynical or anything like that, because if you do, then you'll, you definitely will leave. You'll go somewhere else because you got all, all bitter and, and hurt. So just be watchful and be mindful if you are in that situation. And that is the exact situation I found myself in. I didn't take the first job and I didn't get the second one. So some might say that leaves me with nothing, but it doesn't. I mean, I have a, a great job today that I really enjoy. Work with wonderful people. So I didn't get either one. One because I said no, the other one because someone else said no. But I don't, I didn't ever get bitter. I didn't feel like I was entitled to something. It just didn't happen. I just said, okay, I'm going to have to focus on something else now. I don't have to go chase some other new job, new opportunity, but now I know that there are options out there that maybe I didn't think were options. We used to see the commercials with the slogan, Behold the Power of Cheese. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, behold the power of mentoring. I could probably fill an entire episode or more of all the things I've learned and gained from being a mentee to Dale McKay over time. If you don't have a mentor or never thought about getting one, think about it. I'll also say it's probably a consideration point during these processes of if you tell your boss and when do you tell your boss. For me, I have a very good relationship with my boss, so I told him about both of these. I told them about the first one, told them about the second one, and shared what made them exciting and intriguing. And some of his encouragement was really think about what it is that keeps you excited and intrigued about these opportunities, especially the first one. You know, since I never applied, he encouraged me to try to find out what it was that kept me wanting more information. It was it was very kind of him to to talk to me about those, to be open to talking to me about those, creating a safe space, and he was going to support whatever I needed to do. I'll also say that if you're going to do something like this where you go through interview processes, make sure you don't have one foot out the door already because you don't know if it's going to happen, and that's not the right thing to do. You have a job today. You have a job to do. That's what you were hired to do. Make sure you're doing a good job at it. 
Because if you're not doing a good job in what you're doing right now, especially applying for a role within the same company is not going to be looked upon kindly if you're not doing a great job or trying to do a great job in in what you're doing right now, assuming you're in the right environment to be able to do that, right? Assuming there's not some kind of mismatch between team culture and, and what you really want. But if you enjoy the job you're in, don't don't give up on it to chase something new. You can still chase the other new thing while you're doing a good job at what you do today, I think. And I think that's the right thing to do. I'll also say that a lot of conversations happen between my wife and me about this. And as I said before, she pointed out some things that I hadn't thought about. She had a different perspective on all of this. And she was going to support me, whatever I decided, but definitely gave me some great consideration points. And there were a lot of prayers, a lot of soul searching for, is this right for me? Is this not right for me? Probably thought way too much on both of them. And I think enough as it is to try and get the brain to shut down. Well, that's the story. I hope that it was helpful to everybody out there. For anybody that helped me through this process, gave me advice whose name I didn't say, you know who you are. And I really appreciate the fact that you took the time to do that. If this kind of discussion has been helpful or any of our other episodes have been helpful, take a second, go out there and rate us five stars if you don't mind. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody for Valentine's Day. It's not too far away as of the recording of this. So just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We always want to know if we're being helpful and we're looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, flying solo for now, from my buddy John White, at Journeyman, signing off.